package matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage, live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. It's lovely March 21st. What, here, second day of spring? It's fantastic. Somebody in that? Is that true? <laughs> you know what? I could be off a couple days, though, because I realized <laughs> I was on the DVR when it said it was the first day of spring. That wasn't yesterday. No, I thought was it was it? usually the 21st. Is it? But maybe it, maybe it happened a little early this uh, year. We're going to have to look it up. It's global warming. Anyways, feels springish. I'm, I'm starting to feel my allergies already. That's how I know it's spring. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I always have. Uh, it's usually the entire month of April. I'm just miserable. I've had that cough, that that tickle cough all week. Oh man! And it's not that it's not that I'm sick. It's just the air. Just when you breathe in. There's some yeah. gross colds going around right now too. I hope you know. See that? Did you see him? Yeah. Right when I said cold, he did, he made like a cold call. Might have to, <laughs> That's my might have to boot you out of the studio for the rest of the show. Yeah, you need to go to the you need to go to the infirmary. Sorry about those calls that come through, but I'm out of the studio. Does KVEC have a nurse's office? <laughs> Not on weekends. Well, it's uh, it's lovely having you back, Dan. Yeah. We I, missed you. I listened to you guys last week. Did you really? Yeah. How was it? It's a good show. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Squared's a it's a good segment. <laughs> it's a good recipe, huh? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, we had a good time. That, that's fun. Um, man, how about a, a week of volatility? That's been the boy ups and downs. Lots to talk about today, huh? And Wes Burke, remember him? I do. Remember I that guy, him Wes? In a while. Yeah, he's um. He's allegedly coming in. He's going to stop by and visit? Yeah, and um, enlighten us on... I think he's switched professions now to, like, world traveler. <laughs> but uh, maybe he knows That's a cool. Lot of, maybe he'll tell us about real estate in other parts of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Wes will be in. But, yeah, quite a bit to talk about today, I think. I, well, maybe not a lot to talk about, but... A lot on the subject of the feds and what went on this week with their meeting and the statement about the meeting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> you and I haven't even had a chance to talk about we that yet either. Been head down, working hard. I wanted to ask you the other day, but I, I purposefully abstained from asking you. Just so we could have a I just want it to be very really spontaneous. An organic conversation here today. Organic. Look at you using the buzzwords. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was hoping for gluten-free, but yeah. Um, so what's up? <laughs> Got your clippings yeah, ready? Just You're laying stuff out, ready to talk, ready to chat. Yeah, you got to cover me for a minute while I'm trying to get my... Um, ah, opening the, it, the old yeah. computadora there. Yeah. All right. Well, I thought that this was one of the most highly anticipated Fed meetings that we've had since the taper tantrum. So what's that, about 18 months? Leading up to the Fed exiting TARP, 
Right. You know, the, the QE3, I should say. QE3. Um, the, there's really been, you know, they meet and stuff, but we kind of expect them to say relatively the same thing each time. Sure. We've been building up to a point where now the economy's gaining some steam, employment's looking pretty good, housing is all but recovered. I mean, it's fully recovered, right? I'd say so. Still a little slow, a little sluggish with with the new homes and things like that, but we're working through those issues. So the the economy's feeling a lot better. Consumer confidence is is a lot better than it than it was, obviously. And so the next shoe to drop, the last shoe to drop really to get back to normalcy is raising interest rates back to normal levels. And that begins at the Fed. And so so there's a lot of speculation heading into this meeting that it it's coming this year, is it coming next year, when's it happening? Fed's been talking about being patient. If if they drop that key word, does that signal to the markets that you know, they could raise rates in April, in June? Well, everybody's uh, been watching so attentively and you know the one of the main things that you just can't argue, there's a lot of other like wage growth. Um, wage growth's a big one. Inflation's a big one. The strength of the dollar, um, global economies that are sort of lagging around. One thing that's just perfectly sure is that the employment market jobs created have been pretty good. I mean, over 200,000 jobs a month for 14 months running. That's one of the best stretches since like 94 um, it's really been a great jobs environment. And so now they're saying, okay, when are the feds going to start to change policy here and start to, to push the, the interest rates up a little bit? And interestingly enough, last month, Janet Yellen said, hey, we'll give you guys at least a month's notice before we pull the word patient. She so say, okay, well, that's nice of you. Kind of let everybody calm down a little bit and feel like you're at least going to get a 30-day notice, if nothing else. Um, and so we really hung on those words. I think that was all everybody talked about was, hey, just everybody now just wait. The indicator becomes that they're about to move their first piece when this word drops off. So just that's all we need to look for now. Um, and so that was it. I mean, that's all I heard. Everybody, We knew rates weren't going to go up because of that. Because, I mean, otherwise they would have been made a liar. We'd all lose faith in the financial system again, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I say, okay, cool. We know rates aren't going up. So what, what do they have to say today? Is patient coming or going? So that was all anybody talked about, right? That was the focus on everything. I haven't seen the word patient kicked around in financial news so many times in such a short period ever it was amazing i had to i had to send a, a company-wide email out just to make sure that everyone was prepared yeah for a very volatile day talk to your clients make sure everyone's on the same page as far as whether their rates locked or not and yep. you know because some people like to gamble a little and last uh Last time we saw some major shift in, in policy was when the feds did talk about tapering. Um, they first mentioned tapering was when the markets went nuts. Once the tapering actually began and was implemented, things calmed back down a little bit. Um, and I but think initially there was there were like t a two-week period where rates rose by nearly a full percent. Yeah, it was crazy. Like I That was full-blown mortgage bloodbath for sure. <laughs> And, and we honestly thought that could potentially happen again the day that patient was removed. 
So uh, somebody should write a country song about this, huh? The day <laughs> the word patient was removed. Um, but bottom line is they removed the word patient from the statement this week. And what was wild about it was we were so focused on whether or not the word would be there and what the what the implications of that might be that what we discount is the the feds not only did they say hey we're taking out the word patient but i think they erred so far on making all of the dovish comments about the market i mean downgrading the global growth outlook down downgrading the us growth outlook, talking about inflation being marked well below what they're looking for and, and not necessarily on the right path. I mean, just sort of just said, yeah, we're pulling this word right now, but look how terrible everything is. But yeah, that was a big but. And then bizarrely, we see um, the the bond and equity markets take off right there together. And usually those things move opposite, but not the case. Um, the bond touched down again into the the 190s yeah one uh, below two 190 was about the lowest that i saw phenomenally low i mean just a few weeks prior it was like pushing 2.3 so it was cool to see a little bit of relief there um and interestingly enough mortgage rates kind of lagged behind. I mean, we got a little bit of improvement, but certainly not as much as you would think from a, a comment like that. And, and the bond really um, going up the way that it did. I was, I was confused at first. Initially, I, I was very confused. I heard the, you know, the talking heads on, on the financial news station saying the same thing. We're, this is confusing. Everyone thought you remove the word patient it's a signal that rates are going up. What they weren't expecting was all the downgrades to the you know GDP and employment and inflation and all these key metrics that the Fed's been looking at to decide when to change rate policy. Well, this is like remind. This is why I started to say it reminds me of when we dealt with the harp, um, the the bailout of QE three. I was sitting there, I remember in December, which was supposed to be the one, the next month where they could possibly announce it. I mean, they said they were going to in coming months. We knew that it was is possible to happen at any meeting, but it didn't feel imminent. It never felt like this is the month for sure. I mean, economists were still split 50-50 on it. And then in December, <clears throat> we had one of the crappiest jobs reports that we had, we had had in recent months. I thought, no way. They can't do it today, given that jobs report that we saw the week before. It just can't happen. And then, sure enough, they took the podium and said, you betcha. We're starting this thing this month. And it was, it was really wild to me that they did that. So... My point is the Fed has done an awful lot to be transparent over the last few years. It's kind of been the mission statement of the Fed. And I I feel like I don't know what to think about them. And pulling the word patient while downgrading everything else just made me think again that I'm not as keyed into exactly what they're wanting us to believe as I uh, like to think I am. I think it was a pretty strategic move trying to get the the traders and the, the market movers off of the terminology and on back onto data. I think that was really the, it was a calculated move. They knew, I mean, if you're that in tune with what's going on in the U.S. economy, you have to know that everyone's hanging on that. So this is so calculated to drop that word yet do some other things to counteract it. 
that they're that just trying sense. to refocus the idea on the numbers and not the words. So th- I think in that way they were successful. Um, it's it's now recalibrated everything here. Now instead of thinking rates are going to go up in April or June, now there's speculation that they might not even begin to raise rates until next year, um, and that's because they're scared of of what a strong dollar could mean to the economy. They're scared of the inflation just being so ridiculously low. I mean, they dropped the the prediction for inflation to less than 1% for this year. That's really low. Um, you know, the target is 2%. Inflation's been a key metric. You know, it used to be jobs and housing was the key words that you'd hear in Fed statements. Now, for the last six or 12 months, it's been jobs and inflation. And now it's going to become just inflation, I think. Pretty much. I mean, well... well wage growth and inflation. Right. Wage growth and inflation are the new key um, focal points for the Fed in changing policy. They did, which is kind of interesting here, now that we've reached the high end of the normal range, the acceptable range for unemployment, the Fed also reset that expectation. They, they now have kind of lowered the bar for unemployment, um, projecting that it's going to go as low as 5.1% this year, 5% next year, 4.95% in 2017. So they expect unemployment to really um, continue to drop and, and get below what's considered an acceptable range. Oh, it's thanks to the new metric, though, of of not counting those people that are retired or... That's actually not um, not changed. <laughs> <laughs> that still is the way it's always been done. Um, and then economic growth. I, I, this is kind of... This is pretty disappointing um, to downgrade that so significantly, believing that this year and next we're going to grow at about a 2.5% pace, down from like a 2.8, 2.7 that they were predicting earlier. Um, so yeah, the, all of those revisions to forecasts really caught everyone off guard, I think. And, and so now there's this belief that it may be fourth quarter or maybe next year that we start to see some change in rate policy. Wow. Yeah. So it's good for the home buying season, which is upon us. It's springtime. This is typically when home buying really starts to ramp up in the real estate industry. And so it's great that, um, that if you're out looking for a home in this season, that you're going to be enjoying the nice, low, historically low interest rates, the sub 4% 30-year fixed. Yeah, from that standpoint, it's great. And boy, have things been active. I mean, as far as this being spring, it, there sure has been an awful lot of people running around looking at houses. I, and I'm starting to hear of more people locally that are coming out and selling their home. I, although it feels like every transaction we work on lately, there's a contingency where somebody's got to sell a house to buy a house. And then wouldn't you know it, the guy that they're buying the house from has got to sell a house to buy a house and, you know, big, big domino effect types of transaction, but it sure is nice to see, um, people transacting business and, um, you know, in these really good low rates, I, I got caught up in a conversation again yesterday about how rare this opportunity is where, um, interest rates are so low and, and how valuable it is to, to people in the long term. And if you don't feel like it is today, 
grab a graph and look at mortgage rates over the last 30 years, it's wild. They've basically, other than some points of leveling out and maybe some minor corrections just for short periods, rates have fallen for about 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's been very consistent. I mean, we, we still to this day hear stories from folks coming to our office who remind us in the 80s or whenever it was that they got a mortgage that it was as high as eight. Sometimes I wonder if it's the walking both ways uphill kind of story. Right, sure. Um, but I mean, 18 plus percent, 20% interest rates. Yeah. And I, however you want to, <laughs> however you want to call that, what that top side might be. I know that 12 and 14% were not uncommon because that's one of the ranges where people cause, you wouldn't believe when I bought this house, my interest rate was 14%. Um, so I think looking forward, this generation of homeowners and home buyers, people that have the opportunity to get to get while the getting's good, will look back probably in um, a ten-year period. We'll look back at that mortgage they got in 2015. That's a a 3.875 30-year fixed, and go wow. That, that really will be um, one of the opportunities for people to really create some wealth, I think. Um, and we also know, too, that inflation, one of the best hedges against inflation is real estate. That's more or less how you survive that. It, it really means wonders to real estate values. So um, you go forward 15 or 20 years from today, the homeowners with these good low rates will be the next generation of people that um, seem to have opportunity that the current folks just don't have. I mean, how often do you hear that kind of talk today as people say, well, it's just not like it was for my grandparents where you could buy a house for $19,000 and you know, now today they're all 500 grand. Yeah, but, but they weren't getting 4% interest rates. Surprise, surprise. The houses today that are 500 grand in 20 years time is those Could are going to be million dollar homes. $2 million houses. <laughs> I really think that when, if that's, if that sounds laughable, um, let's get back on the inflation talk here about right. what it means because this is exactly how you get there. You know that you know that 67 Impala that your um, that your dad bought for $3800 off the factory floor. You know how much that um, 2015 Impala is today? It's not necessarily a better car or cheaper to manufacture or you know or more expensive to manufacture. The the reality of it is is that they're Inflation is really what's done this, and this is what the Feds keep trying to tell us. This is what they're really trying to do. So you know we're, you know we're coming. It's 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 only a matter of time, um, and I really think the very best thing you could do is just, um, you know, so much you can't control. The things you can are taking advantage of times like this when interest rates are really low. Um, so that being said, it's ten nine twenty four. We do owe a commercial break to the sponsors that help make the show possible. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve. 
and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right. Now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. Refi or refinance a home. Just call 543 loan. Just call 543 loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. those Impalas. You know, not all Impalas are lowriders. Well, okay, but... In fact, do you ever get a little bit sad when you see, like, a really clean, like, 64 Impala and it's, like, got hydraulics and it's dragging on the yeah, ground with, yeah, like, those no. little tiny wheels and I'm like, oh. Yeah, I, I don't like that. You had, like, an intact piece of American history and then you went and did that to that. Oh, I know. I know it's yeah, just it, a preference It makes me thing. sad, actually, yeah. I always really like the classic cars that are sort of unmolested and intact still. Yeah. Dan's got a classic they car that you're working hard to keep it very yeah. intact and stock. Want it to stay as stock as possible. What do you have? I never, I never a 1970 that. Plymouth Barracuda. Mm, it's my grandpa's nice, car. Nice car. It's been in the family awesome. all these years. Muscle car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One day for your son. Someday. When, yeah. when you're sure that he's very responsible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm probably going to be a non-driver when I pass it on. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, 70, 80. Oh, that's nice. That's very nice. It's got some time. Um, oh, did you have something to say? Well, I was just going to continue on from where we left off. Okay. Should I do that? As you were, sir. So we were talking a little bit about the lowered unemployment expectations or forecasts, I guess. And, you know, that's it's been 
for however many years we've been listening so intently to the Fed, it's it's been clear that employment is a key metric they're looking at it, at when to raise rates. We know inflation is now a big deal too, as well as the the actual earnings figures of of the employed. Um, but it's not unprecedented to see unemployment reach acceptable levels and still not raise interest rates. Um, I was, as I was researching for today's show, I found that in the 90s, in the late 90s, the feds chose to not raise rates, even though unemployment fell as low as 3.9%. It got that low, and they were still having kind of a similar experience that we're having now, which is really low unemployment, along with really low inflation. And so it seems that history would tell us that inflation is really the more the better predictor of when rates will rise oh i mean that's it, it doesn't seem like empl- employment is number one it seems like inflation is probably number one yeah so, that makes sense i mean as a rule right raising interest rates is one of the policy to cool a white hot economy is would you, you describe our economy as white hot? I would not. And and you know it's white. And this is the thing, though. And this is what I think most people forget is that the the Fed's policies have about a six-month lag, okay? It, it's like a super tanker. And when you're in crisis looking for the shot in the arm to try to stop the free fall and gird up the 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 very basis of what we do again here economically – you really want the thing to work overnight, and it kind of can't. It, it, it really doesn't. What happens is the Fed steps in, and whether it's by dropping interest rates or creating some sort of you know quantitative easing plan or extending a previous one, going into a new market, whatever they're doing just to try to make the, the markets realize that – you know, the traders, the those hedge fund managers, the the big players in the world realize that, hey, all the international investors, everybody should feel confident that the feds are pulling out all the stops to make sure that we do what it takes. And no, it never fixes it overnight. Even where we see them announce this big bailout package or do something, and you see like the bond the bond yields fall right away as it's like, okay, that's well received by the market. That should do exactly what it's supposed to do is help thaw the credit markets. It takes some time to see that sort of trickle through, right? So in this case where what the feds are faced with today, these things that they're talking about today are really for six months down the road, knowing that it's time to start turning the super tanker. And because it's going to take some while to change the mentalities and, and get everybody on a speed of what the plan is and where we're heading, they have to start doing things like, hey, watch when this word goes. That's going to be a telltale sign. And they said, hey, yeah, we took the word out, but now keep Keep close watch here. We're, we're like you said, we're watching the data now. There's some other things we need to look at. There's a few things that are still well below where they need to be. So we're we're carefully watching this. That inflation thing is one that it doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but once it starts and things really do start to get hot, it can go from hot to white hot overnight. And that's a significant problem. So I really do think the feds want to be in a very uh, reactable position that should it start and you go, whoa, holy smokes, producer price index, 
went up by 4% this month, and now consumer price index is up by 4% this month. And then they go, well, was that a some sort of just total anomaly in the market, or is that because things thawed out and we're heading into the holiday season or whatever the words might be where people, we, we know what the excuses sound like. We hear them about every time a good piece of data comes out that, and I mean good a good conversation piece of data, whether it's a good metric or, or not a very good one. It's just a fact that it it shakes things up quite a bit. And I really think that one of the things the Fed's doing is just getting that trick back in the bag. They don't if, want to be held hostage yeah, to if, that word. Yeah, and if we got into a spot where we had a real problem and the Fed's needed to reinsert the word patient just to sort of restore the faith again. And, you know, it's sort of like that. For me, it feels like a plane that's overloaded coming down the runway. We got to throw out the bailouts. We got to throw out the tarps. We got to throw out the patient. We got to jobs and everything is like getting better and we pull back on the yoke and if you're not lifting off what else can you throw out and so i really do think this is the feds just kind of getting rid of some of that extra stuff to to have the tools back in the bag have another way to react and and all in all i mean you saw the markets react pretty favorably to it they they do realize what's going on um and then if anything the downside is is to hear the fed saying yeah, we have to cut the outlook in a lot of these things. Um, and yeah. some of them, the, like the employment projections, those are better. Um, but that's not the key focus anymore. I think the Fed really does want some inflation, really does want to see things get more expensive around here because that's the next step of healing. And kind of, I think, the ultimate proof that it all worked. Yeah, so they they cut the the growth forecast and the unemployment forecast through 2017, what was interesting, though, with the inflation forecasts was they cut this year pretty dramatically. It was originally projected to be between 1% and 1.6% inflation for um, for 2015. They cut that to 06 to 0.8%. Pretty dramatic cut. But they didn't... Um, but but the they left the uh, 2016 and 2017 inflation forecasts at 2%, which is normal. That's the target. So that's... That's where the markets are now believing that we're looking at a December or early 2016 rate hike um, with inflation being the key metric. And then I think, you know, to going along with inflation is wage growth, because if the cost of goods are going to be higher, you need people to be making a little more so they can afford the higher cost of goods. So that's that's the focus. That's where we're going here. But dropping the word patient allows them to allows the Fed to turn on the dime if they need to. Yep. Very strategic move. Yeah, agreed. Um, and who was it? I forget who it was. Well, it's one of the economists that we have on the show um, about a year ago. And he was really the one for me that finally made some real sense of um, that the, the Fed really has limited tools available to them. They really do. I mean, it, it. there, of course, are some things that the Fed can do that nobody else can do to help give the economy a shot in the arm, but it's pretty limited. Uh, they, they can't come out and mandate that somebody sell something for less or somebody lend somebody money. All they can really do is improve the environment in which right. people are transacting business. And I really do think that it, it really made sense to me if you think about that, the Fed's toolbox. 
these are all the tools we have to be able to, to work on this problem. And if all the tools are out of the box, you're you got zero rate, you got the word patient, buying you got bonds, buying bonds, <laughs> you're managing mortgage backed securities now, you know, arguably you're you know, you're it's not entirely the same arm of government, but you're basically in control of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. You, you've been yanking the string for the auto industry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been <laughs> wild how much um, of those tools were all we saw every one of them come out, and the it's just true that if you if you need that tool with its power, you gotta you gotta put it back in the bag because. If it's already deployed, you, there's not much you can do to it to make it more effective. If you put it away and sort of wean us all in the economy off of whatever that tool, be it 0% rates or or stimulus or the word patient even, then it becomes a tool that can be used again in the future and actually will have a splash, you know, kind of calm a market down again or, or open things up the way that you hope that it would. So I, I really do feel like it's it's nice. At least we could all agree that it's nice the economy is strong enough. No, it's not done yet. Uh, we cut some growth outlook and inflation's still a problem. But the reality of it is, is that our Fed has most of their tools back in their bag. One that they're lacking is now that interest rate. So I suspect, um, and the other thing too, I, I read this week is that when the Feds do start to push up rates, um, they're talking about pushing them up very gradually, pushing them up to see what we can withstand. And I think it, it makes more sense to me now to believe they want to push them up to into a place where if they need to, they could cut again because they've not had that ability to influence the economy by cutting right. rates now for eight years, nine years, maybe how long? I mean, the reality is it's been a very long time and that's one of the best tools the fed has is to push a rate up or push a rate down. And when the rates sitting on the floor, all you can do is push a rate up, and that's not exactly a way to, to spur on economic growth and inflation, which is what we need. Yeah, I think in the short term, the message to the homeowners and home buyers is that there's going to be a little bit more stability in, in interest rates through the spring and summer season. Um, although the Fed did reserve the right to um, change at any moment, they, they said, you know, we're not ruling out an April change, but... It's, they said it's unlikely. But they said it's unlikely. They said removing the word patient from their statement doesn't mean they're going to be impatient. So I, th I think that with the way the market reacted, there's expectations that it's going to be later, that there's going to be stability through this very important home buying season. And then we'll, we'll see where things go. So I think that's going to inspire a little confidence as home buyers get out this spring and summer and, and look to transact real estate. You know how I know the housing market's better? Because you're not hearing foreclosures and short sales every day. <laughs> you know how I knew that the jobs market got a lot better? People don't really care about the initial unemployment rate or those jobless claims anymore. It's kind of a moot point. Oh, they're really good. Let's talk about something else now. Um, and before too long, it's going to become a, a flash in the pan that the Fed talked yesterday. So it's one of those things where this is what we have to focus on right now. It's the next little piece. I, I do think the remedy is in the works here. And before too long, we'll be saying, yeah, the Fed's made a statement this week, whatever. They didn't do anything. Not that big of a deal. Everybody um, go back to your high-paying job. <laughs> Don't you think? That'll be nice. 
It's 9.40. We're going to do the second commercial break of the hour. When we get back, we're going to be joined by Wes Burke from Patterson Realty. We'll find out um, what life-changing advice he has for us today. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Central Coast, Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley. For the service you deserve and the advice you trust, member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Evidently, that's Wes's walk-up song. <laughs> he brings in all the paparazzi to the show. Yeah. That's what it is. I was going to get Celebrity, but I couldn't get it quick enough. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, there's... It's good. <laughs> it's not that weird. Good morning, Wes. I'm Celebrity, kind of like Barney Fife, maybe. That's about yeah. the extent of it. <laughs> One of these days, we're going to get you a bullet for that gun, buddy. <laughs> um... <laughs> Before we move on from that topic, Dan, of the Fed thing, I wanted to share with you that yesterday I did a I did a little presentation for a group here, and um, and what I talked about was the, this benefit of the low interest rates that we have today. Um, so I just wanted to share this with you because I did all the research, and so this is a good venue for me to regurgitate it. But um, two thousand and three, okay. You remember 2003. That was a pretty good year. Those are busy times. Yeah. Um, so I have a client that got a 5.25% a 30-year fix in 2003. And these people, <laughs> they never refinanced um, all year long. 
or you know all, all decade long just kind of kept going on and we asked him why he said well it's always been my goal to pay my house off and when you refinance you don't pay your house off it just keep going back 30 years so I said yeah I, I understand how you arrived at that conclusion but let me just tell you that this economy affords people a unique opportunity and so what we looked at was a 15-year fixed loan um, at so like I said that that 30 year that they had and by the way had already made 12 years worth of progress on it right I mean that's how long ago 2003 was um, so only now 18 years remaining on this loan the 15 year loan today was at 3.125. That loan balance that started out at 325 grand had a payment of $2,071 per month. The 15-year loan today, that just because the balance, you know, from starting at 325 and paying for 12 years is down to 285. So we did a new loan for 285 and throw in there the new rate of three and an eighth. Guess what the payment is on the 15-year loan? About the same. 1990. So it's actually $80 a month less than the 30-year loan that they were paying there. So then we took that and did a couple of different calculations. The first is that's only a 15-year loan. So 18 years remaining, 15 years remaining, 36 payments of 2070 per month was like 75,000 bucks. So yeah, you did you made some conservative financial decisions and I can totally understand your logic and why you did what you did. However, you staying the course here is going to cost you 75,000 bucks. And um, these people are facing retirement here in the next 15 years. So thinking, hey, wouldn't you rather retire with another 75 grand or just not have a house payment for three more years? The answer to that's typically yes. Um, and then secondly, the other thing that we looked at is on your loan, because of the way um, installment debt works like this, especially for large amounts of money, your interest is so front loaded into the loan, right? I mean, if you send in your first $2,000 payment, like $300 of that goes towards principal, the rest goes towards interest. In the 12th year, it's like flip flop to where 1100 of it is going towards principal and 900 towards interest. In the 15-year loan, you get that back again. So not only are you paying less amount of money over a shorter period of time, but your interest is all up front again, which means the tax write-off for your mortgage is reinstated and makes a huge difference on what happens in your, your monthly paycheck. Um, so we get down to the whole end of this thing and I just, I'm thinking, you know what, I got to tell this story to more people. Um, I know I tell a version of this story frequently here on the show, but this is the call out to everybody that is financially conservative and doesn't buy into the refinance fever. The feds have really low rates right now, and you possibly could refinance into a shorter term for a lower payment. That's a real example of something that did, um, and put yourself in a position to retire three years earlier or just add 75,000 bucks into your checking account instead of pissing it away with interest to the bank. You can use that term, Ken. It's an English term. All right, sorry. I didn't see Jim hit the five-second pause button. So That's not one of the forbidden seven. I'm pretty sure that you can say it. It's just poor form? Yeah. All right. Wasting, like just brutally <laughs> wasting money on interest. Um, but you get my point, right? 
I do get your point. There it's are a plenty, good point. There are plenty of people that should step forward and take advantage of at least getting a checkup. Um, we're not the harassing, bothering you type once you call us. It's not like a used car salesman. Uh, we'll answer your question, see how we can help you. And if you can be like this other guy and make a great deal for yourself, then by all means, we'll do it. If not, um, then we just send you out and say, keep the loan you got. That happens too. And to your point, we're not stuck on 30, 25, 20, 15 year loan terms. You can do any loan term from eight to 30 years. Right. You can so do if you if you want a, a, a nine year loan, you can do that. Right. With, with uh, Dave Ramsey's popularity recently, it's being living debt free is is a big thing. I mean, it's it's a social movement. And I think shortening the, the loan is a great way to get there. I, oh, man. Could you imagine? I mean, the th I know that our the three of us were our finances well enough to know that we all have a mortgage. Could you imagine waking up tomorrow and being done with that? That would be that's life changing. I'm going to walk so much lighter the day that I have no mortgage at all. Um, that's that's something a goal to work towards, uh, and it's awesome that that is a goal now. And I do think people get hung up. Um, you know, they've got their sights on the end of that mortgage, and therefore they they avoid even thinking about a refi. So I think your point's it's well made right now. If you can shorten the life of your loan and get into a, lo a lower payment, I mean, how can that not be fiscally wise? Right. Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, that was, uh, you know, that was me tying the Fed's rate stuff together to how it could benefit Joe the plumber. And so, um, what the, why do you giggle? Joe the plumber, that's a real guy, right? Yeah, it's just dated. Wow. <laughs> that's a dated story. What's <laughs> the modern version of Joe? No, I'm. that was like... Two, three years ago. <laughs> I mean, that's least. so old. <laughs> I'm just trying to get the news from Wall Street to Main Street to benefit <laughs> the good people like Joe the Plumber. <laughs> well, you guys have been kind of in the heady economic stuff for nearly an hour now. and um, you going to dumb it down for us right now? Well, I want to try to, to take the conversation wow. somewhere that maybe can, somebody leave somebody might actually call in. I mean, maybe somebody would actually listen. Or um, you be careful. Last well, maybe time somebody might listen. Last time you said that somebody, um, or not you, but it was said that some people don't like the the deep economic talk that we do, and and then shortly thereafter somebody called in and said, "I do." <laughs> no, I think people like it and I, I think it's good stuff but I do think um, after an hour of it it's uh, you got to change the subject matter is it sure is it yeah. fair for me uh, to do that I'm, sure are I'm you ready to ready to turn us in a new direction yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some people fired up I bet I bet we get some phone calls on this one okay the um, the realtors my colleagues uh, around the county have gotten pretty fired up recently uh, I know what you're gonna talk over about. Uh, Morro Bay's recent <laughs> efforts to um, collect business license taxes mm-hmm yeah, are you aware of that? I am. Yeah, I yeah. have an office in Morro Bay that I did the, frequent. Did the fine uh, audit that the municipal auditing services for Morro Bay, uh, the audit they conducted, did it did it catch you in its crosshairs? No, not at all. You we were all, all paid up. Yep, we pay our business license based on our number of employees in Morro Bay. Um, the fee is there's a base fee and then a little add-on for each employee that you have. Right. So, no, it's pretty. 
You're in good shape. We're there. That's yeah. good. You know Morro Bay is home I, to the corporate ch- office of Central Coast Lending. I'm going to challenge you on this because I bet, I, I bet you're not in compliance. Mm-hmm. Well, you're pretty sure you are? He feels this way. You're about to step into a trap I, here. I, I Be am, careful. Yeah. This man is a cunning linguist, and he is going to trick you. <laughs> I know that we're in compliance. He knows. I went through the audit, he and is they gonna found that we're in compliance He is going to take you through well. some kind of riddle where, right. in the end, he's going to nail you. Tell but me. because You gonna, too. I know I what he's going to say. He's, I think the real riddle is buried in what you just said. You're going to tell me that because we have other agents in other cities that come to Morro Bay and do business no. in Morro Bay that we need to pay more. No, that's not what I'm going to say. I know that you guys have switched to um, a model whereby all of your loan officers are employees, correct? Yeah. When did that occur? 2012. Okay. So did you pay um, or did your loan officers pay their own Morro Bay business licensing fee from 2009, 10, and 11? We paid the business licensing fee on their behalf, so their fee was covered even though they weren't employees of the company. All right. It, here's the rub. This is what's causing all the grief. I, <laughs> Get him, Wes. I, I, don't, I don't believe you, by the way. <laughs> I'll show you the receipts. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dan's a so, pretty good record keeper. and Well, here's the, here's the reason that I doubt you did that, Dan, because when you go down <laughs> to get your business license and you fill out the application, uh-huh. there's no mention on that application that you have to pay um, a fee for the independent contractors. In other words, they have to have their own business license. So I suspect that you went down and you got a business license just like I did, and you paid the the annual fee to have a business license. You paid for your employees, and that's the amount of the check you wrote, which is what we did, which is what almost all of the real estate community did. However, the um, ordinance actually states that independent contractors have to pay their own business licensing fee. And most real estate brokers didn't know that because the, the reality of the situation is when we go to a, new, to a new municipality, get a business license, we walk in, they give us a form, we fill the form out, and they either tell us or the form tells us how big a check to write. We write Can the I- check and we're, and we're done. Let me interrupt both of you real quick. I know you were just about to close the loop on your whole thing there, but um, – I need you guys both to zoom out. I think the greater listenership does too. And and say again, what happened here? Because I have seen some emails and I, I felt like I'm going to, I'll just throw us out there. I don't know if the, the good folks of Morro Bay's, um, you know, law writing committee are listening today, but I felt like the city of Morro Bay made a bold move to extort money out of people that I can't really figure out how they were owed that money. And I saw lots of people saying that it wasn't fair or just that this money was being exacted out of real estate professionals. From what I could tell, it sounds like if somebody has an office in Santa Maria and their mother owns a home in Morro Bay that they choose then to list into the multiple listing service or help write an offer for a house in Morro Bay or something that suddenly now Morro Bay says, because you came to our city to transact a real estate license, you a transaction, you now owe us this business license fee in the city of Morro Bay. 
Am I, is that what happened? Yeah, that's that's true, and that's that that's an example of one part of the problem with with collecting this. And uh, I just thought that's crazy. So you're trying yeah, to make so in that case, an the broker, inhospitable environment for transacting business. So just one more government loophole. To here's jump. the deal. There's a lot of businesses that transact a lot of business in Morro Bay that don't have an, an office or a, you know an actual physical location in Morro Bay. For example, all of the different. Um, provider what are they suppliers to the restaurants all the folk you know this the central coast not to pick on anyone but i just i see their truck a lot central coast seaport or seafood or a giordano's those those delivery things they drive these huge trucks all throughout the city dropping uh different supplies off at the restaurants and hotels and so the thought is is that these folks are conducting not just a little bit of business i mean we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars of business every year maybe millions in the city of Morro Bay, driving on the roads, um, you know, services that are needed to, you know, public service type of services, things like that, that they're not contributing to, yet they're doing a, a lot of business in Morro Bay. So there was a rule created but isn't that, all taken? that had to be applied equally to everyone. And so some people feel like it's being applied unfairly to their industry. Okay. But it's, it's, I think it's one of those things where not everyone can be happy. But, but I'm just trying to catch some of the bigger Even offenders. in that argument, I feel like if you own the Great American Fish Company and you're selling your meals there to the people that are coming from Bakersfield to eat with you, that Morro Bay is getting the sales tax for the meal sold there. Prepared food has a tax. This isn't a sales tax issue. This no, is a business agreed, license No, but agreed, but that's money fee. that's going back into the city of Morro Bay and back into those local businesses by patrons likewise that don't live here so it just feels to me like one more piece of the government creating yet another expense or barrier to conduct business I, and i don't know maybe it's the place i'm coming from if i'm just exhausted by all this government regulation and these additional attempts to extort money i but i agree a big truck going down the road is going to be causing you know, somewhere in terror. So here's, I didn't realize this was such a big deal in the real estate community when um, the fee, I mean, we're talking, it's like, what, 80 bucks base fee plus $25 per employee. It's like, I mean, this a... isn't a life-changing amount of money. The people who were really, and I think rightfully getting upset, were like the the artists. There's a, there's a large artist community in Morro Bay. And someone who paints and maybe sells one painting a year because they're retired and that's just more of a hobby than anything they're being required to have a business yeah license. but look so that that's the where i think it really makes a lot of sense to to complain about it i mean what's it to a realtor when they make thousands of dollars on a sale of a home to pay a 25 dollars annual hey, fee to me it's a matter of a principle i guess this is the position i'm coming from and you know it's like saying you know you as the the very premise of this thing, I disagree with that the government have that ability then to go in and implement something like this that feels like it's already being taken care of in other ways. So let me ask you this though, Dan. So, and and I I did I couldn't disagree with you more about the significance of what the fee is. Be be it ten thousand dollars or be it a hundred dollars, it's yet one more hurdle that's impairing the businessman's ability there. And, and if well, nothing else- Well, if I else, have to pay a business license fee because I have an office ooh. in Morro Bay, why doesn't someone else who does business in Morro Bay have to pay a license ding, fee Ding, 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 ding. All right, we gotta take a break. We'll be back in a couple more minutes. Um, I, I like to talk more about this. Stick with us for more Mortgage Matters.
Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right, everybody. Uh, I'm in the studio now alone because that tax. <laughs> oh, you laughed and gave yourself away. I was gonna, that, that tax thing caused a knockdown, drag out fight. West now has no front tooth. Um, no, funny how taxes can get the blood boiling a little bit. Well, Dan, me- I was I was trying to weave. I was gonna make this great analogy to show you. You know, like. Ye- your try your attempt to say it's only eighty bucks or something made me feel like for me, yeah, that's kind of like saying you know I didn't I didn't kidnap your kid I really only like grabbed him and threw him in the van and punched him a few times. It's so not like that. It feels that way. <laughs> it's not even close to that. <laughs> the wow. the I feel like I and and I'll concede I haven't studied up on this thing, um, but for me. My general feeling is that these kinds of things are just somebody comes along saying they need more money or a way cuz cuz let's go let's like zoom out a little bit. Let's say we're at city council meeting here today and we're we're saying here this, okay? Dan, there's a problem today where all these trucks from all these companies that aren't based in Morro Bay are using up our roadways and they're making darn good money to do so. And so you say yeah, Jason, we should start up a tax and get those guys. And then you go, and then, and, and so then there's I, the first flaw in your statement. But keep going. How they're not starting up a tax? They're sure. redefining what a who the business license fee applies to. All right, actually, they're not doing any of that. They're just <laughs> yes, they are. No, they're just enforcing a law that's been on the books since the '80s. So that they've chosen not to enforce all for, okay. for this du- for the duration. Go. And here's so it's the, an existing and thing. And then to boot, they're going to get it retroactively on people. See, and that's, that's where I agree. You with don't West. get to do that if you didn't know. This is like Monopoly. If I <laughs> land on Park Place in your hotel and I don't have enough money to pay it, but you were too busy flapping your gums to the neighbor, and I got to roll again and go, that's your bad, man. That's a that's a stupid tax because you weren't paying attention. The city of Morro Bay is already paid tax by the good people of the city of Morro Bay and the county to create and implement rules it's not a and follow policies. Every time the government takes money from you, fee. it's a tax. What's the Whatever. difference? It's a business license What's fee. the difference? It's, it's not a tax. It's What's not based on difference? a percentage Damn. of income. It's yeah. based on no, it number is. It of is. people it's based on the. It is based on revenue. No, it's not. Yeah, sure. There are. There is are it components. different for your business? There are components in it that are based on revenue. There's a there's a carve out where the fee is less if you do less than twelve thousand dollars worth of business. Huh? Not in the application that I filled out. Well, that's because it's the totally, application it's only you based on the number of employees. It's because the application you filled out is doesn't. 
read the entire code, and it does a poor job of even translating what's actually owed. The reason that they're going backwards is they Ooh. hired Municipal Auditing Services. This is a company Ooh. that is famous for this tactic. And you know how much consulting and auditing firms make? They make 40% of what they how collect. How are you going to pay that? 40% Tax them. 40% of what they collect is what they make. And that's why they're going backwards for four years, because that firm wants to collect as much as possible. It's so weird. I gave them my fees and all that. I mean, they, they audited our company, and they said that we were in compliance by paying based on the number of employees and not having to do it off of revenue. That's really weird that we well, were treated differently than you. You're over the $12,000, so... See what Bonnie... I knew the phone would ring. Let's see what Bonnie from Cayuca says. Morning, Bonnie. Welcome. Hi, guys. <clears throat> you know, I listen to you often, but today you struck a, a point with me. You know, Morro Bay has been sending me letter after letter after letter. And what we do don't want? have a business. Oh. We have a corporation only under name. I mean, there's no business. There's no... There's no nothing, no stocks out, nothing. What does okay. your corporation do? <clears throat> right now, nothing. It's gone. This is what I told them. I said, you know, the corporation died when my husband died. And I'm, I'm telling them that. There is no, no nothing. It's dissolved many years ago, okay? And I've gotten my third letter from them. I talked to them, and I said, hey, guys. I don't owe you anything. I live in Cayucas. I'm on a fixed income. I don't have a corporation. I don't have a business. They said that I have to prove that in writing to these people that I don't. Give me a break, you know? Bonnie. Anyway, I just needed to make that comment because it was just very frustrating for me as an individual because I think they must have got our name I was trying to think of how they got the name, and they may have gotten it just through the post office. Yeah, or or a simple, I mean, through the Secretary of State, you can look up a corporation, be it active or inactive. And, see where it's and if you believe that it was active during a period that they were owed, you don't want, Bonnie, I, I'm obviously not the pro in this, but let me tell you what I would suggest you do. The final year of a corporate tax return has in the top right of page one, yeah. there's a box checked that's called the wind up and dissolve tax return. And what yeah. it is, it's the final filing and it's got a date on there. Right. I would take that page to the city and explain to them that they're harassing a widow <laughs> over yeah. some paperwork that is that they just don't know what they're doing and that you're being caused emotional duress by this and you just need it to cease. And I, I, one thing I will say about this is I've had a fair amount of interaction with the city of Morro Bay. And, and in the end, these guys are pretty reasonable. If you can document like what, what you're saying, if those taxes, if that corporation in, indeed is dissolved, I do think you're probably going to be able to stop it. Um, okay. But I, I would do that. Take that tax return in there and go in there and, and show them that they're, they're, Efforts are, are misdirected here in trying to exact a fee from you. Okay. I will do that. Now I have one more question. Sure. If you've got a minute. Yeah. <clears throat> Could I have Central Coast Lending's phone number? Yeah, it's 543-5626. Uh -huh. 
5626. Yep. Thank you very much. I think I'll call on my <clears throat> my loan because it's out of 30-year loan, and I want to I'd like to change that. Yeah. Anyway. Give us a call. Okay, dear. Thank you very much, Thanks, guys. Bonnie. See, what a sweet person, and that actually gets to the crux of the issue for me. Whether this, oh, whether you're this running a fee, dormant corporation too. Whether this fee is appropriate <laughs> or not, whether the way um, the point is, Morro Bay has taken a tact on this by hiring this aggressive auditing firm that is very anti-business. It's very unfriendly, and it's going to have big political ramifications. I suspect. Uh, in the first year, it'll upset people like me, but then after that, you realize that the rules of engagement for Morro Bay, no matter how fair or not, are simply stated and well enforced. And that I don't have a problem with. I mean, if, if the city itself, and if you don't like it, all the business yeah. owners of Morro Bay, get together and come slug it out. You can all go to city council and change their minds about being an inhospitable business environment. The the thing is, is like just from where I'm sitting, this was a non-issue. I mean, and we've owned a business in Morro Bay for seven, eight years. Um, our office is corporately located in Morro Bay, and we actually have an open place of business there. So for me personally, I feel like something that should have been a moot point, but due to the city's mismanagement, are all of a sudden needing to make a major press release and a major splash and a major shakeup, which leaves somebody like me just looking down my nose at them saying, look at this attempt to extort money. And I don't think that's the kind of thing you want to do. What's unfortunate is, you know, they have a new city manager, new city attorney, city councils, a, a fresh cast. Um, these are people that are attempting to get these policies that were originally in place back on track. And unfortunately, they get a little bit of egg on their face right now as it looks like they're doing things that we can't understand. I think they've got a lot of egg on their face. And I, I think the moral and ethical thing to do in this situation would be to come to the Grant some amnesty. Come well, they they have offered some amnesty, but it's short lived. They sh and and it's not. I mean, it's amnesty only on the penalties for not having been in compliance for the previous years. But what I think is appropriate is they is that they should go to the business community and they should say, look, we have done a terrible job implementing and enforcing the business licensing fees. The reality is, you very likely have been underpaying um, relative to what is actually in the ordinance we'd like to help you understand the ordinance and we need you to know that going forward we will enforce the ordinance and that's where that i 100 agree with you. that would be completely acceptable to me yeah. and and i think to the vast majority of my colleagues although the independent contractor portion of it i think is questionable as well it's probably something that we don't have to debate here but i can tell you in all of the municipalities where we do business Morro Bay is the only one that requires independent contractors to hold um, an individual business license. All of the other municipalities allow, in our example, um, as a real estate company, for the brokerage to pay the business licensing fee on an annual basis, and then our agents, our independent contractors, can conduct business there. And it's the the same for you know barber shops and travel agents and anybody else that works under the independent um, contractors model. So. That's my position on it. I, th I thought we might get some more phone calls on it. But see, obviously, it's, it's a hot topic. I mean, the three of us got all fired up just talking about it here. So, And I don't think it's over. I, I think you're going to hear more about it before the dust settles. I just like arguing with people about taxes. It's not a tax. <laughs> what is the difference? 
The other I day, feel like a tax implies a percentage of something. The other day, my sons came in when wifey and I were signing up all the tax forms, and I'm, I got the checkbook out and writing millions of dollars worth of checks to the government. And and they said, <laughs> they said, hey, what are you doing? Must have been a good year. Says, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, I'm I'm writing my t- my tax check to the government. And and my older boy, who's you know, he doesn't care all too much about money stuff. So, so that's that's a pretty big check. How come you have to give that to the government? I said, well, that's what we pay for, you know, schools and keeping the lights on and the the roads paved. And then I sat back and I was like, all right. So I get that this is like my portion of that bomber, basically, because don't my DMV fees pay for my road? And doesn't my property tax pay for my school? And doesn't my sales tax that I pay at the grocery store pay for the thing and the business license and the sales? And then I turn around, I'm like, man, I don't even know where it goes. I just know if I don't do this, I got to go to jail. And he's like, that's messed up and walked out of the room. And I'm like, yeah, that's how it feels to me. And then somebody else just pops up and holds out a hand. I mean, it's just 80 bucks. Just give that guy 80 bucks. And I, come on, you have a real job. You can pay 80 bucks. And at the end, I'm like, wait a minute, though. I got to pay the luxury tax on this. And I got to pay the minimum tax on that. And then I got to pay the occupant tax here and the transient tax there and the CRV tax here and the payroll tax there and then a city tax here and a by the end of a disposal fee for that tire that I come on you guys it's like when you sit down and add it all up we problem is that many people don't get pissed off enough about taxes we just think it's uh, I do. part of everyday I life. <laughs> I do too. Has anybody you know figured out with all of these other taxes that we pay all added? I up? have. It's like, ninety nine cents on the dollar. <laughs> it feels like <laughs> it. No, dude. I really, honestly think because I'm counting healthcare now as a tax. Because it used to be like sixty bucks, and now that they're taxing it for me, it's like uh, mm. five thousand a month. So that it, now it's like three thousand nine hundred and forty dollars uh. of the portion is tax. But uh, the reality of it is, is I I, I kind of did run back through it and make some calculations on it, and my estimation of it is for me, it's about sixty cents on the dollar. I think that's it. Seems just terribly inappropriate. Hey, man. Dan, do you think that's appropriate? I tuned out a while ago. Jen's <laughs> <laughs> over there sleeping. Uh. You love paying taxes, Dan? I don't. I don't like paying taxes. I, don't I like, like how you say that with a little bit of a, a poking term, too. You like paying taxes, Dan? How do you like taxes, Dan? I just, yeah. You think they're justified? I'm just trying to figure out why you. Not I think I think the money could be spent better. I think it could be spent more, more efficiently. efficiently managed. But I think that there's a lot that comes out of it. Also, agreed. I mean, like order and civilization. That's pretty cool. I mean, to think to that's put because it of taxes. Ju- I, I think taxes sure help. <laughs> yeah, I do. If not, it does give the government guns to shoot us. Okay. I, I think that uh, the inefficiency is the problem. I, I, I would, agree. I wouldn't mind paying a reasonable tax. No, uh, if, me too. If we just I've, didn't watch so much And you know what? In, t- in terms of those taxes, too, like I live in Atascadero, and I'm proud to live in Atascadero. I am vocally love Atascadero. 
Um, I like to buy things in Atascadero, and I want the money to stay back in Atascadero. And yeah, if you have a business where you're profiting in Atascadero, I hope you're paying your business tax too. Um, but at the end of the day, I look at everything, and I'm like, I just feel like the tax thing's so inefficient. Sadly, we need to figure out how to get it away from the government and let a private enterprise run the tax system for profit, and the, the bottom will fall out, man. They could do such a better job because um, I, I don't know. We need to move on from this topic because we're not going to make it anywhere. Well, let us let me bail, bail you out. I've got some real estate statistics in front of me, so let's talk about the market. Do you guys want to do that? Sure. Can we take a quick commercial break and then we'll... Yeah, but I'm, I'm only here for a few more minutes, so What? I, yeah. You just got you here. You got here at 9.40. Okay. Okay. Let's you can take, leave at the next let's, break. Let's take a break and sort it out. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> We're going to take a break and sort this out, and we'll be back. <laughs> more Mortgage Matters on the way. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. One, two, three, four. <coughs> One, two. Let me tell you how it will be. One for you, 19 for me. Cause I'm the tax man. Yeah! 
So we spent the whole break talking about taxes and uh, and fees. We didn't agree on when you guys are going to cut me loose. I mean, you see the sun shining out there? I do. Yeah. What do you have to do? I, I have things to do. You do not. I do. You're going to s- open up your garage and move your little rolling chair right in there and, and drink beer while you, like, stare out at the waving grass. Not exactly, but oh. my obligations do involve my garage. Well, Wes might possibly go sell a house which with, with which you might possibly get taxes. a mortgage oh. out of. I thought you yeah. definitely going to pay some taxes. Jim, there you. it is, because he refers you. You know them to you, right? Yes. Sure, right? Yes, absolutely. There it is. Thanks. Appreciate See, that. See, he might be actually thinking about your bottom line here. Yeah. I doubt it. Which warrants <laughs> warrants a, a higher level of kind treatment from you, pay from some, you both. Pay some taxes. Hey, since we have a real estate expert here, Wes, why don't you tell us a little bit about real estate? Yeah, because you, you, uh, you want to hear something that might, might surprise you. The median home price for single-family residents in San Luis proper went from 661,000 in 2014 February to 593 a 9% decrease that's a huge drop why i think it's an anomaly actually um there uh, are very few transactions in the first couple months of the year and therefore transactions at at either end of the spectrum can really swing the median um, just a hand, it takes a handful, but a, a handful of transactions can do that. And I think that's what's going on here. Why are there so few transactions to start this year? There, um, seasonally it's predictable every year. The number of transactions de- decreases dramatically in January and, and February, actually December, January through, through really February. So we've picked up a little earlier than we normally do. Um, com- compared to the seasonality of the marketplace. So March is actually revved up significantly. And I'm anxious for uh, I'm anxious to get the stats in for March because I think that we'll see um, that this is this corrects in March. Um, and when we look at other areas like Paso Robles for for example, they saw an increase in the median from 350 to 380 for the same time period. Where was that? In Paso Robles. Okay. Pismo Beach saw a significant increase wow. from 600 to um, 820. Again, I think the 820 is a bit of an anomaly. Um, and Pismo Beach is one of those areas where you can have um, some oceanfront property sell that really affect the median. Um, let's see. We could take a, a look, for example, at Templeton. They saw an increase of 467 to 625. So all of the other marketplaces um, kind of within the county um, have seen an increase, which again is why I think that the decrease in San Luis is is an anomaly. But it's interesting. Generally speaking, the market feels strong. Um, there are there's not a lot of inventory. There's about four months supply total in the county right now, which is still low. It's still on the low. It's even lower than what they identify as a normal market. And the buyer activity is is pretty strong. You know, we're, we're not really uh, seeing a huge increase in the number of transactions, but there there are a lot of buyers out there. They're active. They seem to be pretty smart. They know what's going on in the market. They study the metrics. Um, they come in pre-qualified and and savvy and and ready to uh, to conduct transactions. So that remains fun. And we're entering the period now where 
we expect inventory to increase just because of the seasonality that we've been we've been talking about. So I'm curious when I come in here and talk about you know the direction of the market and, and real the state of real estate in general, I'm always curious to get feedback from you guys um, to to see if your um, street experience is is feeling the same way as as what I'm describing. Are you guys seeing? A solid level of transactions and, and versus refi. I know separating that out is what I'm always interested in. You know, don't tell me about your refi business. Tell me about your resale business. Purchase business has <clears throat> has been good. It's been strong. I, I would say steady, not not necessarily increasing or decreasing. Um, if anything, slightly increasing, maybe. Um, do you think that all of this talk um, about the potential for interest rates to start going up? is going to force some of the fence-sitting buyers into the marketplace to transact this this spring and summer? I do not. I th I think that the home buyers are less motivated by, by small changes in interest rate. I think that they are more motivated by, you know, they're, they're changing families, unit, and need, different changing needs, you know, change in job situation, their income levels, things like that are more indicative of, of their willingness to transact real estate than interest rates. Um, so yeah, that's my take on it. Uh, watching the market, um, the, the economics of the real estate market on a state level, I'll tell you some of the things that are of highest concern. One is the absence of first time home buyers in this marketplace. That's what I wanted to ask you. You, you, you talked about four months supply. You, you, you know, you've given a few different um, anecdotal statistics about home values and what direction they're going. What does the entry level housing market look like? The market that that the first time home buyer would most likely be partic participating in. Well, um, I is there any supply there? The, yeah, there is some supply. Um, it, there's not a lot, but. You know, I, I think the supply is more balanced than it was even in, in a year ago in that category because we're we're just not seeing a tremendous amount of multiple offers and and the frenzy that we kind of experienced in oh I guess kind of in thirteen and fourteen mostly um, so that's backed off a little bit but there's you know there's the the decent listings that hit the market are still selling relatively quickly with good activity um, but um, you know. Prices continue to uh, to creep up, and and I don't know how to explain the absence of the first time buyer in the marketplace. And really, um, you know, we we still we still see them, and we're still dealing with them. But studied on a statewide basis, the decrease in first time home buyer activity is noticeable and predicted to be problematic going forward. And and I think that there's you know a, a couple things that are feeding that. That position, and first of all, I think a lot of young people watch their parents go through a really kind of a nightmarish scenario through this recession, and um, often a house payment was a big source of pain. And I think that a lot of kids that are contemplating, or that would normally be contemplating purchasing a home, are reluctant because they've they've watched the pain associated with home ownership. And in general, I just think they have a lower desire. They they prioritize home ownership lower than any generation previously has. And I'm not sure if that's going to change. Do you sub so? There's been a lot of talk about the millennials and their desire to maintain their mobility. Their you know. They, they, they want to be able to 
to move to some other state or some other country or, you know, at a, at a moment's notice and, and owning real estate really limits their abilities to be mobile and, and to do those spur of the moment kind of life changing decisions. Do you subscribe sure. to that? Yeah, I think that's valid. I mean, it's, I certainly, you know, I, I know and work with um, a fair number of people in, in the millennial category and, and I can see that kind of uh, as a part of their lifestyle and, and it makes sense to me. So yeah, I think that's real. I read all the millennial stuff too. And part of me feels like it's like a, a, a culture of searching for something to blame and you know, all the, the, the research and demographics of that. And hey, there's some great arguments to be made there. I mean, look at the American dream is like that little picture, right? It's a stick dude and a stick chick with like 1.3 kids in a house with a white picket fence. Um, and then if you dive into a little bit further, the American dream has typically been having that family unit and working for the local factory and earning your pension until you can like retire in your loafers or something. Then today it's like, well, that American dream really isn't the same anymore. Um, for some people, it's uh, the the family unit doesn't even look the same. There are plenty of people, um, and obviously I don't have a good context of what this was like 40 years ago, but I got a bunch of friends that um, are married and never want to have kids. I got friends that had kids and are never getting married. I have friends that are in a same-sex marriage that's totally legal and they're thrilled all to be hell, but they have no desire to do the 1.3 kids and the white picket fence thing. They're they're more into going to Bikram yoga and then enjoying a vegan meal while they drive their Prius there. People are expressing themselves in such different ways today than I think that stereotypical American dream is. But the thing I want to argue about that is I doubt that so completely that people have lost faith in owning real estate because I don't care how hip you are with your, you know, all that stuff you're you're eating paleo and you have a prius and a macbook pro and you do all the things but own real estate you cannot discount that looking around the people that have accumulated the greatest wealth and by wealth i don't necessarily just mean assets but i mean freedom to do with what your time you want most of the people that achieve that if they don't inherit it they do it by way of real estate and i don't think that's ever changing i am going to go on the record to say that i think home ownership has bottomed out at an all-time low and will rebound very well surpassing what it was when all of the crazy loan programs were out there the stability component of it now where people are taking shorter terms, they're making greater down payments, they're reducing household debt. People are now catching on to the fact that it's not the house that's the the enemy, but, but rather I think your overall financial picture. And the house is actually – because you could bring me any one of the millennials that want to give you the good argument. I'm going to do this for you real quick here. What's the rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage today? Pick one. Wes, you go ahead. You're just a loan. You're a 3.75. Perfect. Um, now, what's the interest rate on rent? Just real quick, throw me out a number. Zero. 
Uh, 100% actually. You could not have been more wrong. Um, the interest cost of rent is 100 pennies of every dollar paid on rent goes directly down the train to never be recovered again in any way, shape, or form. It is absolutely discarded perfectly while helping some other individual accumulate wealth all along the way. Whether that guy has a loan or not, he gladly thanks you for being one of the fools that pay 100% interest. That, and then in 30 years, let's take those same two people. In 30 years, uh, Party A's mortgage is now paid off where they can uh, just drift blissfully into retirement without having any overhead as far as the debt service for the actual house itself. Party B, the mobile renter with the fancy everything but house, his rent now is what? Oh, is it is it five times more than it was 30 years ago? Indeed it is. And what is now the rate on rent? Is it still 100%? Indeed it is. Um, I look at this whole thing and I'm like, how on earth do people keep compiling this data? Their interest would just be better served by writing articles that just say, hey, hey, stupid, you guys wake up. You take your headphones off, get outside, put the video games down, move out of your mother's basement. You are 30 years old. If you do this today, your house will be paid when you're 60. If you keep living in your mom's basement, not taking care of yourself, you're going to figure this out when you're 40, and then you're going to end up not being able to pay your house off till you're 70. Is Just throwing out another theory, is it possible that this segment, the first-time homebuyer segment of people, are maybe just discouraged from the recent history of... of the competitive nature of trying to buy a home. The fact that, you know, I, I'm just not even going to try because last time when I tried to do this, there were 20 people competing for the same house and the guy with all the cash won it and, and he overpaid a little bit for it. I just, I'm not willing to compete in that environment. Of course that And they person. don't realize that the environment's changed a little bit. Or what have we been told? I mean, Dan, what do you do for a living? I do loans. Oh, that's tough, isn't it? <laughs> Hasn't that been right. brutal? Because right. I heard the banks aren't loaning money. Is that Was that unusual? That's the kind of thing. I'll be sitting in a casino in Las Vegas. What do you do? Home loans. Oh, my goodness. That must be, that's hard right now, huh? Are you kidding me? Yes, the banks are giving away money, um, and they're doing it at, like, no interest. It's not hard to get a loan provided that you can old school qualify the way that you should actually have to. Yeah. So part of it is just this mindset. And again, instead of informing people that, yes, the banks are loaning money. Yes, the money is cheaper than all get out. And yes, this is your best opportunity to accumulate wealth in your life. Um, instead, we're writing articles that try to explain why they're not. Let's write some freaking articles that explain to these guys how they need to help themselves by quit making excuses and go get in on forced savings for retirement, which is owning and paying for a house before you want to done, be done working. That's what this conversation should be going. Always. Well, I agree with your position relative to home ownership. There's no doubt about it. But really, the the conver and I, and I think generally that is the attitude of the majority. But what we're talking about is an explanation for why historically sixty five or eight percent of the people polled 
believe that home ownership is a priority, and now 63% of them do. There's a decrease in the number of people that are prioritizing that. Well, that's because we've been writing articles for years about why real estate's tough business. Yeah, there's some recent pains, man. Get over it. Sometimes you strike out. Sometimes you trip run into first. You still got to get up and get her done, and there's no... It's wasted energy to explain why it dipped when we can put our energy towards convincing the the dippers that this thing is good. It's a good place to be. Well, we can't deny that real estate, especially in this California, especially in coastal California, is unaffordable to the majority of of residents of those areas. I mean, I, th- I think it's something like two thirds of residents. I, I think it's nationwide. Our real estate is unaffordable for them. And and there was an article this week from Bloomberg News that said the states, this is specifically about California, the state's high housing costs make California a less attractive place to call home, making it more difficult for companies to hire and retain qualified employees, likely preventing the state's economy from meeting its full potential. And it talks about, you know, That's these crazy a... median home prices, especially in the Bay Area. It's like upwards of a million dollars. This is such a negative spin on something so positive, though, because I'm going to give you the same story from the flip side. Um, if you'd like to live in paradise uh, here, like I would go, and if you don't believe me, go check weather report for anywhere else in the country for the last three months. If you want to live in paradise, yes, it's very expensive. It is also kind of exclusive. The barrier to entry is high. And once you get here, you're going to have to scrap hard to stay here. If you don't want to be among the elitists fighting to live in paradise, then f- go to Texas. You go go on. You can get on the coast there too. They got that swamp coast thing with all the dead birds in it. Go ahead. And that's Here. the positive spin for the two thirds of people that can't afford it. That's yeah, positive. yeah. Can you get all the positive. I got in that? so much positivity afford from afford it or As, don't. Yeah. Okay. So that's right. Okay. I don't. I don't. Okay. <laughs> so we are, take it at face uh, value. Swamp coast. Thing. <laughs> With all the dead birds. Yeah. Otherwise uh, we... known as the Gulf of Mexico? I don't know. <laughs> Wes, would oh. you like to get some final thoughts before you get to go on with your weekend? Um, man, no, I, just, I tell you what, Jason, you are one of a kind. There's no doubt about it. I uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I, I thought it was a fun conversation today. It was. I, I always judge the success of my visits by how many phone calls we got, and we only got one, so I'm going to have to work harder for the next visit. But, <laughs> I think um, it, I think we provide a lot of entertainment value today. A man's, yeah. a man's um, worth is not measured by phone calls alone. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. one thing I've learned about being on the radio this long. Dan, that's one of those things, though. I can isolate that quote. Yeah. Perfect. And when we Which put one? together that thing of Jasonisms, Which we one? finally edit together. That'll be about amazing. California oh, being no. paradise. Yeah, California. Being, and I and assure that, you, that if you compare thing. like any part of California coast to the parts I want to compare to of the Gulf Coast, the California one wins. Well, I'll I'll tell you that it, I'll tell your your listeners if if uh, you were inspired by Jason's rant on the benefits of home ownership and you have decided that it's time to take action you ought to give me a call at 805-801-7061 and i will help you realize your improved future through home ownership i'm telling you awesome yeah. thanks wes it's the yeah. way it is. <laughs> owning real estate is the uh, it's your ticket
Now you're going to leave right before you got this call here. Oh, uh, okay. no, I'll stay for the call. Right. Yeah, that's that doubles the, the product. There the, we go. Yeah. Jim, is it a real call? It's probably a call just to saying how dumb All right, I let's am. do it. Let's jump on the call. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. Just feeling punchy. Ah, Marilyn. The show wouldn't be complete without hearing from Marilyn from San Luis. <laughs> well, thank you. I, th- I guess that was a positive note, but... <laughs> Uh, I wanted to tell you, you probably had a lot of competition today because at 10 o'clock at the Vets building, they had all the emergency vehicles and all their presentations and everything Oh, in San Luis. Actually, KVC is involved with that. Is that the Preparedness Expo? That's the one we put That's together. That's right. out Mortgage Matters? And so I went down But they might there be listening about, there. Pardon? They might be listening there. Oh, I went down around, um, oh, about 5 after 10, and I listened to your first almost hour, and I couldn't park any place. They're blocks away. Wow. And I have a disabled placard, and there wasn't anything. They should but, have been more prepared for the people trying to be prepared, <laughs> right? Oh, uh, that's double trouble, huh? <laughs> Okay, so I just wanted you to feel better because that's where all the people were. And they only go until 2. I inquired about that. It should have been for two days, but I think it's only today. You correct me if I'm wrong. Jim, it's only today, I believe. Yeah, Yeah, so if you got to go, you got to get down there. Yeah, so it was only like four hours. That's not nearly enough. The whole parking lot was full of all the vehicles and presenters and people i don't know how many at least over a thousand i think shoosh <laughs> that explains it well thanks for calling in and letting us know marilyn okay. you made my day thanks so much double the call volume for wes <laughs> all right okay now it's time for that last commercial break we'll be back to close out the show after these messages don't go anywhere keep it locked to mortgage matters on kvec news talk 920 to ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morrill Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Texas. All right, everybody, welcome back. Yeah, can you believe it's already March 21st? These days and weeks and months are just flying by. I have a day of uh, being at the Little League field ahead of me. Cool. Um, not, uh, yeah, they're long days, man, long games out there. They, the boys are on different teams now, and they are basically have to be there like half hour to an hour early, and then the games are anywhere between two and three hours long. They play in Major League Ball? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it's like, we. so we're out there, like today, the first game's at 10.30, and then that will wrap up. The other kids got to be there at noon, and the game starts at 1. And so, I mean, I'm literally, like, going to be at baseball today from, like, 11 to probably, like, 5. It's because of instant replay, huh? Yeah, all the reviews, 7th <laughs> inning stretch. No, but speaking of that, baseball's right around the corner, though, isn't it? Been, sure is. It's been fun watching some uh, preseason baseball. I can't believe I have to tell you, Jason, but could you get more up on the mic? <laughs> you can't hear me? No. Can you hear me now? There it is. That's is that better. much yeah. better? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Almost Dan almost got to talk. <laughs> <sighs> You're exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Exhausting. So I was pretty surprised this week to see such negative news with respect to new home, new home building, housing starts, permits, all kind of, and, and builder sentiment all kind of seem to be down. Well, it's just because of the weather, right? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, we're, we're, we have such a shortage of supply of housing that it seems like I don't care what the weather is. Builders got to be pretty optimistic for the future. You know, especially looking at the recent history, there's a huge need P I, locally. I've we've we've done loans for a number of people buying brand new homes. Um, yeah. I just I don't I don't get 
why the numbers are so down. We saw starts, housing starts, uh, down, what, 17% from January? That's a pretty big number. We yeah, saw those numbers missed by a long shot, by the way. 1.048 million starts was what we had hoped for, and it was 897,000. That's well off the max. Um, whoever it is that's sitting around forecasting that one, um, really missed the boat. And you know what is sad about it? I said, well, that's just because of weather, right? That's the culprit. But if you look at this, actually, um, record snowfall in the Northeast recently. I saw something about Massachusetts has had like more snow yeah. now, 100 and something inches. It's of like snow. 1876 or something crazy. crazy. Um, and extreme cold out in the Midwest too. But hey, what about the West Coast then? We've had one of the some of the warmer, drier, yeah, um, like three inches of rain or something. Yeah, pretty wild. Uh, higher than average temperatures. You would think that we would have compensated and it would all come out in the wash. But what we find out is that housing starts fell eighteen point two percent in the West, exceeding the overall drop of what happened in the East. So there's not there's just not even a good excuse there. Yeah, it's it's really. Just I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then there was the the home builder sentiment slipped from slipped a couple of points. You know, it's barely above fifty, which is fifty is the number where where more builders believe that housing conditions are and that building conditions are good. And we're just we're a hair above fifty. I don't get it. We're at a four month supply here locally. I mean, I think it's similar across the country. There's there's a lack of affordability. So if you can build some new entry-level housing, there's a lot of people that want well, to buy that. The builder sentiment makes me feel like the builders have now removed the word patient. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just like, you know, it's kind of just getting this thing going and getting it off the ground. And yeah, one other thing too you got to remember is that it is more expensive today to build than really it's ever been, both with some of the new energy efficiency requirements, but also taxes on materials and things like that. I think it's a little bit harder to to stack it all up. In addition, the regulatory environment of going through city planning. I mean, I, the people that I'm working with here in town that are working on construction projects say that that continues to just be difficult. Um, you know, they tell you you're looking at six weeks to get your plans checked. And then in six weeks, they come back to tell you that you didn't give them complete plans. So now you got to give them page three again. And then, you know, six weeks later, you just you're falling behind schedule and all that. I imagine a lot of that has to do with impact to sentiment. And the other thing, too, that you really can't isolate from builders either is um, with the recent increase in gas costs, you know, kind of returning to what we've been conditioned to believe is normal. I think it, it makes things a little bit more expensive there too. And I would think that that shakes a little bit of sentiment where squeezes before, down profits. Yeah. Because before, if you're already competing in a tight environment with materials and labor that are more expensive than ever before, you're going to get on down to it. And now to see gas going up too, I imagine that shakes the sentiment a little bit there, but all in all, I would, if I was giving the the pep talk to the room full of builders nationally here today, I'd say, you know, pick your chins up and put your boots on and go to work. The housing situation is a crisis where there's not enough homes to go around. So let's uh let's let's increase sentiment just based on that. Yeah, there were that same Bloomberg article I referenced a little, a little earlier in the show about California real estate it, it's uh 
the quotes here, the state probably would have to build as many as 100,000 additional units annually, almost exclusively in its coastal communities to seriously mitigate its problems with housing affordability. Right. I mean, that's a lot of units that need to be built to just meet the demand and, and, and you know, put some of that upward pressure, yeah. remove some of that upward pressure. And on then prices. you got a chicken or the egg thing because once you make it more affordable or you sort of mitigate this housing crisis to a degree, aren't more people going to come to paradise? Hey, they got some vacancies now. What's and vacancies lead to soft rent and softer real estate value, so it creates more affordability. I think the reality of it is is that we're probably not likely to see that. You know, tying it back to what we were talking about when Wes was here, get in and get some. This is a time to buy some stuff. This crisis is not going away anytime soon. Um, we are not going to be adding the kind of houses that are going to make it more affordable to, to live here on the Central Coast. So um, with these interest rates and home values, it's really never going to be more approachable than it is right now. It's a great time to, to get in and make it happen. Um, I wanted to point out here a, a few things. First of all, I think we don't mention this often enough, but right here on the Central Coast, um, we're offering 100% down financing for select parts of the community. How about 0% down? What did I say? 100% down. That's like a all well, cash. We can do that too. <laughs> no, but we, wow, we're cheap. offering <laughs> zero down, 100% financing. It doesn't work in all parts of the county, but if you're at home feeling like you can't buy a house because you haven't saved $100,000 for down payment, I, I want to tell you that you don't need to. Um, even if the place that you're living is more expensive or in an area where we cannot do the 100% financing, um, FHA is only three and a half percent down. They recently cut their mortgage insurance premium by a third, um, which is making it a lot more affordable to get an FHA loan. Um, and then likewise, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac both also reduced their requirement for first time home buyers from needing 5% down to only needing 3% down. Um, so that's a great program too, where you could get a, a, a loan, one of the conventional loans without, um, needing a hundred grand down. And then lastly, uh, I just want to point out that, um, if you're a veteran, we can do those loans too. Um, the climate is really good. And then if you are one of those old fashioned people, that's just got a bunch of money or a rich relative and got a great down payment, obviously there's loan programs for you there too. Um, so there's, there's kind of a, a custom tailored approach for each borrower. And if you are interested at all, in getting off of the 100% interest rate train and joining into the growing wealth, accumulating wealth, knocking out a house payment for retirement train, give us a call. Uh, 543-LOAN is how you can reach us in the office. One number rings all of our offices around the county, 543-LOAN. Uh, and then otherwise, go on and check us out on the website. We put a lot of time and energy into our new website. think you might enjoy it. You'll find our contact info there. Thanks so much for being with us today. We're planning on doing another live episode next week, so come back and join us then. 